Happy Friday, and welcome to a new episode of This Week in Apps, a weekly no-fluff, data-first roundup of interesting news and trends about mobile apps and games. My name is Ariel, and I have five highlights for you today. And let's jump right into it. We released our monthly report of the most downloaded games this week, and just like months before, about half of the top ten are games you've seen before, and the other half is hyper-casual game of the day. This month's report, however, includes a new ranking that we started putting out there, and that's ranking by revenue, which tells a much different story. See, bursting, meaning buying downloads, isn't too hard these days. It's expensive, sure, which is why it's more common to see ad network-owned game studios do it more often than not, but it's not the games that burst that actually make money in the App Store and Google Play. It's mostly because they don't actually charge money using in-app purchases. They're all about the ads, but it's also because they don't stick around long enough to build enough engagement and get users to come back because they happen so quickly. The top earners are, as you may expect if you've been following the newsletter, the popular names that have built a real brand around their games. Roblox, Candy Crush, and Clash of Clans were the top earners in the U.S. in April, bringing in a combined $83 million in estimated net revenue, meaning after Apple and Google take their 15 or 30% cut. The top 10 games together brought in $224 million in estimated net revenue in April, and that's a number we're going to continue looking at as we do this next month and the month after. Next up is Clubhouse. Clubhouse had a good, great run, rising within a short few months from just a handful of downloads every week to more than 2 million downloads in a single week in February. I covered it more than once here because of that. But even though I covered it and I saw all the downloads, I also suspected that this sort of demand just wouldn't hold in the long run, and for a few reasons. One, you still need to be invited to use Clubhouse. And two, it's not available on Android. I think that's kind of crazy for 2021. There is a private beta, but it's an actual beta, not the invite-only type, so you can't download the app. But what I really think is the problem is that you can't just use Clubhouse when you feel like it. You have to use Clubhouse when someone you know or someone you want to listen to or talk to is actually on, and that's really the problem. Um, in my mind, the question wasn't really whether the mend would remain, because I knew that wouldn't be the case, but it was when will it drop? And an analysis of download estimates for the last year shows exactly when that happened. It happened immediately after its peak. And that's a trend that's very common for apps that go viral for a minute, then a trend for apps that earn their place at the top long term. One thing that's going for Clubhouse is its international adoption. Since the app was released in September, it's been downloaded by more than 13.5 million people worldwide, according to our estimates. The U.S. is by far Clubhouse's largest market with about 28% of downloads, but Japan was 7, South Korea with 5, and Germany and Russia with almost 5 each close out the top 5. It's also downloaded by a bunch of other countries speaking a whole bunch of other languages, which I thought would be a problem, but did not end up being a problem. Um, so that's a positive. That's something that shows people are interested in this sort of thing, just, I guess, not enough. Uh, here's the thing for me. Clubhouse's success was mainly, I think, news and FOMO-driven, fear of missing out. About half of Clubhouse's downloads, which nets out to 7 million, came during February, where the app commended the news. It's since dropped considerably, though. In March, it brought in 2.6 million downloads, and then in April, it dropped by almost an order of magnitude to about 900,000 downloads. So why am I bringing up Clubhouse now? Because this week, Twitter launched its Spaces feature, which looks and feels a lot like Clubhouse, but with a twist. Much better discovery. 
Seeing people I follow on Twitter start talking made me remember my initial thoughts about Clubhouse. The gist is, Clubhouse might be sexy, but for it to earn its place among the social media giants, it really needs discovery, a discovery engine of some sort. Real-time audio alone can't offer that, and that's its main problem. Now, will Twitter be the future of audio? That's really hard to tell. Given the ease of discovery, meaning the ability to tweet, hey, I'm on a space, click here to talk to me, I think it's much more likely that this would get more engagement on Twitter and get more following. If you've ever started talking on Clubhouse, I bet you know exactly what I'm talking about. Next up is another sort of maybe FOMO-driven, maybe news-driven. If you looked at the top app list this week, you'd notice a now-recurring theme, Robinhood and its best pal Coinbase, are right at the top of the list. And that's because of Dogecoin. Dogecoin? Dogecoin? I don't know. The crypto no one really heard of until a few weeks ago, and it's continuing to make unrealistic gains. The cryptocurrency that's named after a meme and started as a joke is in liftoff mode. It grew 13,000% since the beginning of January. 13,000%. I'm not going to do the math of how much money it would have made if I put 100 bucks on Dogecoin back in January. I'm going to let you do that in your heads because I don't want the to feel miserable that I didn't. But this week, Dogecoin caused downloads of Coinbase and Robinhood to nearly double, growing daily downloads to nearly 200,000 each, according to our estimates. Their downloads were already higher than average by roughly 50% in the last few weeks after the last explosion of Dogecoin in mid-April. Um, and to me, that indicates that the pair is inching ever closer to becoming a household name for buying cryptocurrency. And that's a trend I mentioned last time cryptocurrency got exciting, and that was also because of Dogecoin. With common folks looking for a new way to make money, cryptocurrency isn't likely to disappear anytime soon. And if Coinbase and Robinhood continue to be the place to buy and sell cryptocurrency, they should really pack their bags because they're going to stay at the top of the list for a long time. Every week, I try to look for signals of things returning to normal, air quotes normal, and this week's indicator is downloads of car rental app Toro. Last week, Toro reached the most downloads in a single week that it's ever seen in, since 2020. And that's right, I'm talking about 2020. So Toro's car rental app, which is a lot more like Airbnb, but for cars, ended the week of April 26th with 83,000 downloads. That's 10,000 downloads more than the week before and 60,000 downloads more than its worst week in April of 2020. It's also about 4,000 downloads more than its best week of 2020, which was in February. And that goes to show that we're coming back. Now, this could be the result of an aggressive ad campaign, but even if it is ad campaign, there still needs to be demand for the app for it to take off. And that's what we're seeing here. So I think that's a positive sign. And talking of positive signs, I'm gonna end the week on a warm note. This week, McDonald's ran a promotion that gives a free McFlurry, that's their ice cream, for downloading its app. Ice cream for downloads is not a new strategy, but it continues to yield results. Downloads more than tripled on Tuesday, the day of the campaign, to more than 111,000, according to our estimates. Although the campaign was only for Tuesday, downloads remained high on Wednesday with about 90,000 downloads. Companies like McDonald's have relied on good old giveaways for user acquisition for their app for a long time. And with the fear of going out subsiding, the strategy continues to show its effectiveness. I expect to see many more of these as we head into the summer from McDonald's, its competitors, and really any other company that can give something attractive. The bottom line here is if we're zooming out and thinking like marketers, at around just $2 retail price for one of these McFlurries, and I bet you it's probably a tenth for an actual cost, this is a super inexpensive way to get more users. And that has two upsides. If you get a user, one, they can push them notifications just the right time and engage them with new campaigns, new foods, new promotions. 
they can really drive traffic to their physical location. But the other thing is with the, the, comp the additional complication of app tracking transparency, I think when you incentivize someone by giving them something sweet, by giving them a gift, by giving them something that costs money, they might be more likely to tap the sure track me whatever button as opposed to no, I don't really want to give you my data because most people probably don't think about it in that sort of in that sort of way. And so I think that's kind of a positive. Now, if you take this kind of all the way, if you bring people into physical stores and they smell food and they see food, they're very likely to buy more food in addition to their McFlurry. So this could end up not costing McDonald's a single penny at the end of the day and just be a net positive, which is really good. It's a great strategy and I'm looking forward to seeing more of these happen. And that's it for me. If you liked any of the insights in this week's episode and want to see them for any other app for your competitors or any other app you like, head on to appfigures.com slash intelligence to get these for yourself. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, please do. We're available wherever you can get your podcasts. And on that happy note, happy Friday. Happy Friday.